Welcome to Upshift, the No Direction Network's, sorry, Essence 20 News, Previews, and Interviews podcast. I forgot the name of the role-playing game we talk about. It's been that kind of month. Yeah, okay. I didn't forget the name. I nearly said the wrong role-playing game. (laughs) We will get you back on our side eventually, Costello. I just co-hosted No Direction, Param. What are you talking about? Get me back on your side. Yeah, fair. Should we restart the intro or are we just going? I think this is already good content. All right, power through. So I am Ryan Costello, one of the hosts of Upshift. And I'm Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param. Believe it or not, I'm one of the designers of the Essence 20 role-playing system, one of the authors of the G.I. Joe role-playing game, the forthcoming G.I. Joe role-playing game from Renegade Game Studios. Not that forthcoming. It's getting closer. We will get this. Is it third coming? Yes. Yeah, you know what? Let's let's go straight into that. The Judge role playing game release schedule has been kind of all over the place. I don't remember if we talked about this last month because I don't remember exactly when it got finalized. But mm-hmm. the release schedule was pushed to probably summerish and then pulled back. And so now the Judge role playing game release dates the the, the um, estimated release date is March 29th. So a little over a month from now. And if you have pre ordered the Judge role playing game, then you are getting the PDF two weeks before that. So March 14th. Or 15, March 15th, sorry. March 15th, you can expect the G.I. Joe role-playing game PDF, to uh, a link to it to be emailed to you uh, with the address tied to your Renegade Game Studios account. Woohoo! So uh, today in this episode, we're going to be talking about Renegade Con 2022. But I guess mm-hmm. since we've broached the topic, Param, I am super excited for people to get this rulebook in their hands. I am too. I mean, like, this is kind of like the the one we've been waiting for because of your particular involvement and our mutual fandom. Uh, it's going to be fun. It also yeah. is like the one that's the most grounded. And I can definitely like Power Rangers is fun, but it's a superhero RPG. And superheroes are always kind of hard to do in RPG format for various reasons, I found. Even though I love doing superhero RPGs. I love Mutants and Masterminds. I love all of that stuff. Silver Age Sentinels. Love it. Um, I was going to say Champions, but no, I don't like Champions. Uh, oh, no. I don't hate Champions. It's just, that's a very crunchy system. That's a yeah, very okay. anyway, crunchy I was going to ask why, but that's not rag on Champions yeah, yeah. and why it's only okay to you. Right. But uh, but G.I. Joe, it's like you got archetypes with, you know, ground level uh, squad based uh, tactics and very familiar ground to trot upon for your average role player. It's not that far of a distance to say, you know what? Snake Eyes probably was a rogue. Oh, Snake Eyes was definitely a rogue. <laughs> and not one of those like smarmy rogues either. Right. And there's only one wizard. Oh, really? I was figuring... I, I figured there would be a lot of wizards. Who were you oh. thinking was the one wizard? I, uh, Serpentor. Was a wizard? Serpentor's like a warrior. He's yeah. the product of wizards. Anyway, I was lumping all the scientists and technicians into the wizard category. Oh, I was thinking actual magic. Sorry. No, is not magic. He's science. They uh, combed the tombs of history's greatest leaders to get the DNA that they then turned into uh, uh, the emperor for Cobra. That's yeah, but that's got, that's a, that's that's weird science. That's weird it's, enough to make it magic. It's pulpy science. Oh yeah, 
I've recently heard G.I. Joe's brand of military fantasy described as pulpy. And since then, I was like, yeah, that's perfect. It's a little bit wacky science, but it's not magic. It's all grounded in something, even if there's no scientific basis to how the science in the G.I. Joe world works. You know, on the subject of Serpentor, uh, I don't know when this will ever come up, but something that both the comics and the cartoon did that neither of them followed up on is that Serpentor had a secret ingredient. In the comics, it was Storm Shadow. He got killed on the beach, thrown into a vat with all kinds of DNA that was going into Serpentor, and then the life-giving electricity that Dr. Mindbender pumped through that vat of DNA brought uh, Storm Shadow back to life. So again, resurrection, but it's science-based resurrection. It's not, of course, it's right. not magic-based. Mm -hmm. right. So yeah, so then like it's implied that uh, Serpentor has Storm Shadow's DNA, and that's somehow you know, influencing him. I don't think those two characters ever meet again. Storm Shadow, uh, no, sorry, Serpentor's only in the comics for about 25 issues before he's killed off. I think he's the first character that had an action figure that was killed off in the comics. Uh, and then in the cartoon, his secret ingredient was Sergeant Slaughter. And uh, again, that's it. The, the two characters don't interact that much, even when there's the showdown uh, at the end of the G.I. Joe movie where Sergeant Slaughter is one of only three Joes confronting four Cobras. The two of them don't interact. They don't bring up the fact that, like, hey, some of your DNA is is mine. You know, future WWE World Champion. So you're saying there's there's plot elements ripe for GMs to use here. Absolutely, uh, there are definitely because of the pace that new characters had to be introduced to the comic, with it only coming out once or eventually twice a month when they had special missions. A lot of ideas were introduced and then never explored. And every file card on the G.I. Joe alludes to stories. They don't really tell the stories. And so there is a lot more to the world than was ever explored in any media. And most of the media since the, the second animated series has just been rehashing the familiar of G.I. Joe. You know, new takes on it. But for the most part, it hasn't gotten granular in a secondary or tertiary character. So, yeah, if, if you like me, re read the file cards, have uh, really fallen in love with a lot of the characters that are not the A-list of G.I. Joe characters. This is a great opportunity to explore them in like subplots and just like intrigue around the G.I. Joe headquarters. This is like giving me the urge to go back 20 years and to spin up a G.I. Joe mush. A, a mush? Oh, it remind me what a mush is. It has something to do with BBSs, doesn't it? It is a, yeah, it, it is a, you tail net into meshes using, uh, usually you would use a specialized game client instead of a tail net client, even though you could tail net into the server. And then they would have, it was a text-based role-playing game. Um, DQ Mud, uh, Ilmu, these were the first multi-user dungeons. Uh, DQ Mud is probably the most famous of those, uh, which eventually went on to inspire EverQuest to exist. Oh, cool. Yeah, and mushes were one of the more roleplay-centric versions of these that uh, had less grindy hard rules and was more a facilitation for role-playing communities to spring up. Uh, they Mushes are multi-user shared hallucinations. Seriously? Yep. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the early meshes. Where does the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that original computer game, come from? Fit in? That's just a text adventure. Okay, nothing to do with this. No. Okay. And uh, the the meshes, the it's the Ilmu that makes these text adventures special. They were on servers so that multiple people could play them at once. Um, and meshes 
and MUCs. Uh, I don't know what MUC stands for, that abbreviation. But uh, And MOO, M-O-O's, were another version of the software. Um, they often would base themselves off of established tabletop role-playing games hmm. so that the players in the mush would, when it came time to resolve conflict or random resolution, you would actually just type they would have a text-based version of your character sheet and you would roll dice by typing slash roll whatever to resolve it and, and so on. So it was basically just like a setup to do giant tabletop role-playing games in text chat rooms. That's super cool. Yeah, I have I have spent many hundreds of hours in various meshes and mucks and moos in my day. Oh, wow. So I mentioned BBSs. That was my first introduction to multi-user uh, adventure games. Mm -hmm. um, but I had a single phone line and mm -hmm. three brothers and, you know, both my parents. So it was very rare that I got to spend more than an hour. And actually an hour is probably really exaggerating. And I probably got about 15 minutes chunks here and there that I got to tie up the phone line so that I could play my BBS games. Oh. Well, I, I, I don't even know which ones are, like it's, it's been more than like 10 years since I've actually logged into a Muck or a Moo uh, because, well, other games have come along and uh, other hobbies have taken over my life. Well, speaking of other games and other hobbies, Renegade Con. Mm. Now, last August was the last Renegade Con. It was the Renegade Con Virtual Special Edition. Before that, Renegade Game Studio uh, Studios, sorry, had announced that they had a variety of Hasbro RPG licenses. This was about a mm -hmm. year before that, and then almost nothing was said publicly about them. Um, the, the, even that one press release didn't even say specifically that they were making RPGs out of them. It was just that they had. Power Rangers, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and My Little Pony licenses, which they could make tabletop games out of, and they were definitely making a Power Rangers role-playing game. And that was the only definitive thing that press release said. So then Renegade Con Virtual Special Edition put up its schedule, and suddenly there was like a lot of implication, a lot of saying like those things that you've only heard whispers of for the last year. We're going to talk about them this weekend at Renegade Con Virtual Special Edition, which they did and we did because I was on some of those panels, really got in-depth with the Power Rangers role-playing game, the G.I. role-playing game. Transformers still earlier in development, so uh, it didn't get as much spotlight, but there was definitely art shared for all three games. And yeah, by the end of that weekend, Essence 20 was something that was being talked about and people were excited about. And now it's time for Renegade Con 2022. We've got the schedules for Renegade Con 2022. I'd like to go over them with you, Param. We'll talk about anything that uh, you might have questions about. I mostly, I will be on a couple of these panels, but most of the information I have is only related to those two panels. So mm -hmm. we'll go through the schedule together. We'll see what intrigues you the most. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll make sure that everybody knows what they can find going on when. Sound good? Awesome. All right. Renegade Con 2022 is next weekend. It is Friday, March 4th. And Saturday, March fifth, ah, it's my birthday. <laughs> oh, happy birthday! Then, yeah, I got you a renegade in a, in, a, in a week. <laughs> oh, it's just <laughs> what I wanted. Again, I know. <laughs> so, renegade gone March fourth uh, kicks off at noon uh, Pacific time, which is three o'clock Eastern. Uh, the schedule is all in Pacific, which I believe the schedule says this clearly. Mm -hmm. But just in case you saw the big number and ignored that, there was also. A, a time zone related to it. 
those numbers are Pacific. If you're Eastern, add three hours to that. If you're any other time zone, you know how to translate that better than I do. Right. This is this is what I would usually say the Pazo standard time joke, but no, it's not Pazo at all this time. No, it's Renegade. Mm-hmm. All right, so well, it's not RST. All right, fine. It's also I don't I could never keep track of standard. I only in the last couple of re- years realized that not everybody just says blah standard time, no matter what time of year. That actually only applies to half the year. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've just dropped including the standard time when I talk about time zones, and I just say Pacific, Eastern, or whatever. Mm-hmm. All right, Param, you ready to get into this? Maybe. Go. You, uh, you let me know. Yes, go. <laughs> All right, 12 p.m., the Renegade Con kickoff. It says, just wait, Renegade's announcements and Renegade Con preview. Join Scott and Sarah as they give you a first clip about what's new at Renegade Game Studios, and what you will not want to miss this weekend, this is where we spill the beans before we dive deep into details all weekend long. So Scott Ooh. is the publisher at Renegade Game Studios. Sarah, uh, I believe, is the social media manager. Her title might be wrong, but that is, uh, she does a lot of the press releases, the media. And they're just going to be talking about the things to expect news about. They won't actually be going into the news. They will be priming you for what news is to come. Mm. Because the big reason you tune into big cons like this is for the announcement panels. Yes. Mm-hmm. And but so this is this the is announcement good, of announcement panels. One. This gives a good hour before the first panel to uh, remind people that Renegade Con is happening for the people, the, the subscribers, to get their notification that it is live now. And uh, if you only have time for a couple of them, you check into this panel and it'll tell you which of the future panels to make time for. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I got to say, I'm a little confused about the second panel because it's called, uh, it is at 1 p.m. Pacific, so three, uh, sorry, 4 p.m. Eastern, mm-hmm. reveals Renegade Originals, what's new? All the info on what new original Renegade, uh, what new originals Renegade has planned for 2022. Dan and Matt run you through what uh, we have planned for Renegade Originals in 2022. Tune in and learn about what's new. I'm not sure what Renegade Originals are. Does this mean non-licensed games? Stuff like my father's work. So we are going to talk about my father's work in the next panel, which makes that make a lot of sense. So uh, yes, I was thinking that maybe it's about, because Renegade has a multimedia studio Mm -hmm. and they put out a lot of content like original actual plays. And uh, twice a week, I believe it's every Monday and Wednesday, they put out a new show on uh, their Twitch channel. I thought it might have related to that, but uh, you might be right, especially because the panel following this one at 2 p.m., My Father's Work, which is a first look unboxing, unboxing My Father's Work with designer T.C. Petty III. Join designer T.C. Petty as he shows off what's inside of this ambitious new multi-generational game from Renegade Game Studios. I need to compliment the title of this game. It is a gothic horror themed or pulpy gothic horror themed game and the title is my father's work and that is enough those two con those two things combined is enough to have my immediate attention and want to play so i didn't know it was gothic horror but between the title because i agree that is a really intriguing title and then multi-generational game i'm really curious what that is is this going to be a bit of a legacy game are we going to be playing three different timelines or multiple timelines throughout the game um yeah i i am intrigued about this so this is only a half hour panel and it is unboxing with the designer 
possibly looking at the production copy of the game for one of the first times and walking us through all the different elements. But very few, um, very few products are getting this dedicated treatment of a panel just dedicated to giving them a look at a reveal. So I have a feeling that Renegade has a lot of faith in my father's work. Mm-hmm. Yep. Though I, I do have some thoughts right now with how these announcement panels are done. I kind of would have hoped uh, that, uh, and maybe they still will, that is the maybe this is the plan with the panels or not. Uh, I have liked how Paizo and various video game publishers have started doing their panels and cons now, where the first panel is we announce everything, and then the, the rest of the panels are the deep dive for the super fans, because I find that that has worked fantastically for for the different Paizo cons that we've been a part of and it has also worked fantastically for like the E3 shows that and the in the Nintendo Directs etc that have been going on in the other side of the gaming world because it gives the panelists the freedom to just talk about the stuff they know instead of having to well we can't like that's always really awkward when you have a panel but it's before the relevant announcement has happened and it's like yeah boy we would love to talk about this tune in tomorrow at four yeah paizo famously had their banquets on friday night which is where they would reveal everything but it was friday or saturday it was fridays yeah so thursday was always a wash exactly it's a thursday (laughs) to sunday or monday con and so you're there for several days of content before you actually get the reveals and then it's the next couple of panels that are really meaty mm-hmm. so yeah i i agree them changing it to making the first panel or i think mm-hmm. the second one because they, they've done mm-hmm. the welcome to PaizoCon panel uh first right. and then they get into what to expect and from there everything has a lot more content so um what but is the judging... schedule here that makes you think we're not getting that at renegade con the fact that the next four panels are called reveals 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 um yes but i have a feeling okay i think it's going to be like announced at the kickoff mm-hmm. and then yeah reveal means more like more in-depth look i believe i usually mean rev- well it might be how they're using but reveal is usually used in various terms for and here's the thing that we're showing off for the first time or right. the magician yanks the curtain off the Statue of Liberty and it didn't disappear. Uh, it's true. Okay, so reading over the Renegade Con kickoff again, it does say uh, they give you a first glimpse at what's new. So you're right. It's probably going to be the panel will start with much more, uh, no, not much more, but with like first detailed look at what's going on and actual announcements. Right. All right. Well, so the go ahead. Go ahead. I was like, the next panel after my father's work unboxing is the reveals G.I. Joe tabletop RPG. And I was tabletop and RPG games plural. Is That's this right. one we the got panels an hour and a half to talk about G.I. Joe tabletop games, which says RPG, mm-hmm. deck building, and more. Right. 2022 I'm... plans for role playing, deck building, and tabletop games will all be covered in this big reveal for our G.I. Joe tabletop plans. Join the brand teams. Represented by Dan, Jimmy, Trivia, and Ryan. That's me. Yeah. As they reveal the secrets of the Renegades plan. Uh, sorry, of Renegades mm-hmm. plans. Yeah. So uh, up until now, I believe there's only two. Well, okay. Sorry. There's uh, as far as the GI Joe role playing game products that have been revealed. Core rulebook. We talked a lot about it the last one, and right. we said there is going to be a GM screen, 
and uh, an adventure book called Operation Cold Iron. Mm -hmm. We have given no more information than that. So we are definitely going to give more information about the GM screen and Operation Cold Iron and more. Right. And as far as other tabletop games, there's the deck building game for G.I. Joe, which I got to play. I still have not gotten to play it. It is How so is it? fun. I've I've heard amazing things about it. I've seen art for it, and I really enjoy the variety of characters that are represented in it. And yeah, people have played solo mode. They've played group modes, and people are really high on this game. It is so fun. Like one of the, the, the part I really love is how they integrated the vehicles into it. Where like Good. anything with G.I. Joe should integrate the vehicles because they are a big part of what makes G.I. Joe special. And so as part of the card games, like you can't go on the mission. You have to send a vehicle to get your crew to the mission. And the vehicles have different configurations of what kind of crew can go and what the vehicle can do for you. So like judge like shuffling which vehicles you're choosing and who you're putting in into the vehicles is a, such a core part of that game and it's so fun to go I want to take this one. And I just always imagine that I'm loading little action figures into the plastic vehicles going Quee! That sounds awesome. Yeah, so the the G.I. Joe deck building game, and not deck building, the, the trading card game that Wizards of the Coast released like 10 years ago. It was uh, garbage. No, it must have been about 15 years ago. So I liked the first wave, and then the second wave introduced vehicles to it, and it really threw off the balance. And anyway, it, I was not into a lot of trading card games, so I'm sure it was not great, but I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, me and Tina, back when we were dating, played it a lot and <laughs> for a while she was known in the G.I. Joe community as Tank Girl because she put together a G.I. Joe deck with a lot of tanks in it and at the Canadian G.I. Joe convention that year won a tournament because she Ooh. just ran over everybody <laughs> with tanks Tank Girl Tina mm -hmm. so yeah I am looking forward to this uh, so my part of it will be with trivia I uh, I really enjoy trivia They and I have a really fun uh, chemistry we've got good energy and I think just being able to talk about things beyond the core rulebook, although I'm still just excited to talk about the core rulebook, but that's going to be a very small part of our presentation. So, uh, yeah, I am looking forward to that, to hearing people's reception, some of the things that are announced. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, just going from there. All right, the next two panels are at 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. respectively, uh, which would be uh, 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. for Eastern and it's Vampire the Masquerade, Rivals, and World of Darkness role-playing games. So uh, for people that don't know, Renegade has been licensing the World of Darkness games for uh, over a year now. I think a couple mm -hmm. of years. This, these are not Esther's 20 games. What's that? Right. It's fairly fresh after some yeah. rather eventful things happened to make these up for availability. Which we're not going to go into? Let's not. Okay, because I don't have the the mountains of research that would be uh, required for me to do this with professional press ethics in mind. Fair enough. So, um, yeah. So just just to know that it's World of Darkness, as you are probably more familiar with it, it is not an Essence Twenty adaptation of World of Darkness, and it has nothing to do with with uh, Essence Twenty, which is the purview of this show. So, mm -hmm. no offense to Vampire World of Darkness, we're not going to be spending a lot of time on this. We're going to move on. Mm -hmm. Unless, actually, I don't know. What is your experience with Vampire and World of Darkness? I played it a couple of times in college. Okay. And I was on a move for a year that used the rule system. So I I did play Vampire in a campaign for, that probably lasted only a couple of months, but the GM, Matthew Binks, was 
instrumental in how I GM. He really influenced my GMing style. So I have a soft spot in my heart for Vampire, but I am not informed on the latest happenings with the Vampire role-playing game or really just the world in general because it took place in Montreal, that campaign. So, you know, my hometown. So I didn't even get a good feel for the campaign setting. I just knew there were these different Vampire factions and they're in my hometown. Hmm. And finishing off day one, we've got at 6.30 Pacific, 9.30 Eastern, a live play of Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid. So that is the miniatures game. And uh, it says, you picked the Rangers and the villains. Now see if the Renegade staff is up to the task. Scott, Jonathan, Katie, Matt, and Nick are your Rangers. You choose the Rangers they will play. Can they defeat the team of... You're going to correct me on some of these, Param. Darkonda, Ecliptor, and the Psycho Rangers? Sure. I'm not oh, familiar with the, this. These are some... These are not ones I'm familiar with. Oh, they might be from the comics. Psycho Rangers are just evil versions of the Rangers, though, right? Like I said, this is some later stuff, so I'm not I like I'm I'm still out of date on the newer stuff. Oh, apparently I didn't realize. Sorry. I know something Power Rangers that you don't. And by I know, I think I might know something about Power <laughs> Rangers. <laughs> Listen, I've started my mega marathon to get to bone up for the podcast, and uh, I'm 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 only a few seasons in. So I don't know a whole lot about Heroes of the Grid. I know it's a miniatures game. I know it's got uh, a dedicated fan base and a lot of miniatures are being released for it. But the main thing is I really appreciate those miniatures. I, As someone who doesn't know Power Rangers very well and could not identify who most of these characters are, they're such dynamic costumes and like they're fun to see how people paint. And, like they're such vibrant colors really bring the miniatures to life. Yeah, I, I do like it, and I like that it is bringing in like it the because it's a board game. Of course, it launched. It's kind of it's a miniature game, but it leans more board game than miniature game okay. in how it's played. Um, and that's fine. It, it, it's a fun game uh, from what I've seen of of YouTube videos playing it because I don't own it yet. Uh, but uh, what I do like about it is that it is allowing some of the later season rangers to get miniatures and to get sets and to get content. Whereas too many of the licensing of toys and stuff that we're still getting today, if you go into a, a store that is like stocking Power Ranger stuff, you're going to get like the token one or two newer season stuff, especially the newest season usually has a set of toys that you can get, but it's going to get like the thousandth reissue of the green Ranger from Mighty Morphin and the thousandth reissue of the white Ranger. And it was very dangerous that this game could have just become, well, we did the, 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 the uh, Mighty Morphin and we're done. And a lot of power Ranger fans are sad. We talked up at the top about how I'm a big fan of a lot of the secondary characters in G.I. Joe. So this, to me, sounds like it's just you're getting your Snake Eyes, Scarlet, Duke, and Roadblock, and Cobra Commander, Destro, and probably Storm Shadow, and then moving on. Like, that's that's generally the pattern that I get in G.I. Joe, and I'm like, mm -hmm. man, I, I just want Flint and Shipwreck. Right. Like, those are A-listers that don't even get the A-list treatment, yeah. let alone ever see Backstop. So, um so yeah, I, I can relate, even though I may not know the Power Rangers as well as you do. 
Yeah, it was the, the trend started to buck with licensed properties when Battle for the Grid came out, which is a fighting game that started to like really dig. Like it was pulling comic book IDW characters out and then like letting them shine. And I was like, whoa, wow, okay, we were actually getting some acknowledgement that stuff has happened since 1994. It, it, are you how much of the comic book have you read? Almost none. Okay, because I really do feel like a lot of influential stuff in what's happening in Power Rangers is happening in the comics just because of how often something gets just, yeah, the comic book storylines get referenced in uh, the social media that I'm now involved in. It's because IDW did such great writing with their licensed books. Like their Transformer stuff was amazing. Their their Ninja Turtle stuff was awesome. Their Power Ranger stuff was good. Like it's it's writing for a mature audience because that was who was the market for a Power Rangers comic 20 years after the source material aired. That is definitely, you market it towards a more mature audience. That meant better writing, better characters, better plot development. And as much as I am a fan of the work and, and the, even the even those earlier uh, Mighty Morphin episodes, which I've gone on record as saying is I love them. They're my least favorite, but I love them. Uh, it, that's very the, the, it was it was college kids pretending to be high school kids marketed towards middle school kids, and that's the level of writing you had. And and the comics do not do that. I think the first time I really became aware that the comic books are getting Power Rangers right on a different level is when I was just talking to somebody about Zords and how it's like, I don't understand. They call the Zords and then almost immediately form the Megazord. What is the point of that extra step? Like the Zords almost seem to play no role in any of the stories. And they were like, well, in the comics. In the comics, they actually use their Zords and there's a lot more Zord-focused combat rather than just the intermediary between Rangers and Megazord. And honestly, if you... Uh, and since I have been doing the rewatch... That is it's something that's more of an exaggeration than true, hmm. uh, because uh, in the first couple of seasons of, of Power Rangers, for sure, the Zords do act a, on their own, not uh, not every episode, but fairly frequently, more often than not, like at least one or two of the Zords will do some useful things before Megazord shows up. Most often the 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 T-Rex and uh and and uh, Billy's because Billy has the grapple hook on on his sword. Billy's was a triceratops. Yeah, and the horns yes. would launch off, and they would chain down the monster and hold it still. So there's a whole lot of footage of people in rubber suits getting chained up by a triceratops, and that's just an awesome thing to say. I'm just proud of myself that uh, I was able to visualize Billy's uh, sword. My favorite is when the. Uh, when the Yellow Ranger Sabretooth Tiger Zord gets to do their thing, and you could tell because like the, the Zords, the like the the hero versions of Zords. If you're not familiar in in filming or TV show, the hero version of anything is like the most detailed, intricate, high quality version of a prop that is meant for when you get that close in shot on it. And every so often, they would take the hero version of that Zord and then just throw it across the room at somebody to simulate it attacking them and, and like cat attacking. And so there's a whole lot of footage of just somebody yeeting the, 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 a plastic, uh, a plastic saber tooth tiger toy at a guy in a rubber suit. And I love it. That must've been an expensive, like <laughs> th there was care to the yeet, right? 
Maybe not so much because, like, wow. historically, so much of those props were broken and had to be replaced. In fact, yeah. the, the actors lost the morphers so often <laughs> uh, that, it, that they would ha constantly have to send assistants out to local toy stores to just buy replacements wow. that they would use on set. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Uh, well, we're talking about Power Rangers. Let's move on to Saturday, March 5th. So day two of Renegade Con at 10 a.m. Pacific or 1 p.m. Eastern. We've got the reveals. Power Rangers tabletop games. Ooh. Calling out Rangers. Tune in to learn more about all the Power Rangers goodness coming in 2022. Dan and Jimmy explore the newest announcements for Heroes of the Grid and the Power Rangers deck building game. Trivia and Brian take us through what's coming for the role-playing game. So Good. similar to G.I. Joe, I believe the only thing that's ever been announced for the Power Rangers role-playing game is the stuff that's either out or on its way. So the core rulebook, the GM screen, mm -hmm. the dice, I think there's been a delay on the dice, but for the most part, that's what's known, right? As far like Param, you do not have the awesome inside knowledge that I do. We know that an right? adventure is coming. Mm. That's about all. All right, well... Good news you're getting more information about upcoming source books and the direction that their line is going that's good because right now the uh, with power rangers we're at a starting point we had a little bit of a rough landing but they're correcting um we've got some upcoming material for that and we're primed to see where this goes because unfortunately <laughs> what i just said about traditionally all we get is money morphin support hmm. um kind of applies to the rpg right now uh but there's a little bit more there's a little bit more we get some Zord, rest of the zordon era like gets a little bit of dashing on that that pie um but i definitely we need we need to see what the future brings for this game to know what we can attach our hopes to it's kind of like we talked about with the uh, pathfinder when pathfinder 2 came out there was like that whole period of well we've got pf2 we're really waiting for the apg because that's when this <laughs> game is going to become this game we're waiting for Power Rangers APG. I have no insight. I cannot tell you anymore. I have not worked on anything Power Rangers related. Mm -hmm. And even if I did, I could not tell you. Right. That's what I'm for. I am not NDA'd on anything. <laughs> so that is from 1030 to 1130. So it's another hour and a half panel. Then at 1130, Param, I believe you're going to be excited about this. Reveals My Little Pony Tabletop Games. Join us for a first look at all things My Little Pony coming from Renegade in 2022. Deck building yeah. and role-playing fans will not want to miss this My Little Pony reveal. Join this Trivia. The... Man, Trivia's in like half of these panels. Wow. Trivia, Jimmy and Chris as they pull back the curtain on Renegade's plans for 2022. So what I like about this is that this is finally going to give us, like I said before, we're finally going to get fantasy dungeon adventuring in Essence 20 see what it's going to be like. There's nothing in this that says Essence 20. I don't know oh, what's been announced or what system is running My Little Pony. Well, this is true. The game... Uh, ooh, so we don't know. So Essence... Hmm. My Little Pony has had an RPG fairly recently. Yep. Uh, if this is a continuation of that, then that's good news for My Little Pony fans because it does kind of bite when you invest in a game and then it changes hands. Star Wars fans, you know what I'm saying. Oh, I thought there was a second point. Nope. Nope. All right. So, um, yeah, they're going to be revealing these My Little Pony games and then almost immediately after. So at 1230, 
there's going to be a live play of the My Little Pony Adventures in Equestria deck building game. So hmm. you heard all about it. You know, this is assuming you listened to the last panel. You haven't heard about it yet, Para, but by then you will have heard all about it. Mm -hmm. Now see the My Little Pony Adventures in Equestria deck building game in action. So for the first time ever, see the My Little Pony Adventures in Equestria deck building game in action. Join lead designer Chris and friends as they make the game, as they take the game for a spin. I hope it's good. <laughs> the other deck building games Renegade has made has been good. Transformers was fun. G.I. Joe was mega fun. There's a Power Rangers one. Have you played that one? I have not yet gotten to play the Power Rangers one. Sorry. Okay. Are they the same? Are they mechanically similar at all? Transformers and G.I. Joe was very similar. Okay. But not cross compatible. Just you could see a similar. Not board. cross compatible. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I am curious to see the deck building game play out. I I think this is actually a very good game that I could be playing with my daughters when it comes out, uh, especially if it's light on the reading or if it's cooperative. Then that means I can read their cards and then not pretend not to know what they have. Well, the other two were, so I'm hopeful that it will be excellent. Mm -hmm. Two p.m. Long time coming. Sorry, two p.m. Pacific. 5 p.m. Eastern, reveals Transformers tabletop games. Transformers fans will crack the code on Renegade's plans for 2022. Jimmy and Trivia, Trivia again, will bring all the details on what's next for Re from Renegade for the Transformers role-playing game and deck-building game in 2022. Just, is Trivia in all of these panels? Oh, no, she gets the deck-building game, the Mind Opponent deck-building game off. I'm just, I'm just worried about Trivia's stamina through all this. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, the Transformers role-playing game, like I said earlier, did not get as much uh, revealed at the Renegade Con Virtual Special Edition in August. So I have a feeling this one is going to be one of the most well-attended panels of the whole weekend as people are really interested to know what a Transformers role-playing game looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm really curious as how how does a bumblebee stand up to a snake eyes? Like what? Do, how do those stack up with? And if we are doing them in the same party, that's the that's this this is the hardest stretch. This is the biggest stretch of the of the entire system. The 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 trilogy coming out right now because, um, Power Rangers they're superheroes, but you know what? They're not so super that a well skilled member of the elite special forces can't keep up with them. I mean, at, at a certain point, I guess they are sort of channeling like divine powers of ancient beings but but for the most part snake eyes can totally you know we we gave him we gave him a morph suit but he was awesome without it um yeah i follow yeah bumblebee would be a zord it's interesting that you're going for bumblebee of all the examples like grimlock would be a zord. i'm trying to make it as act as i uh, pick bumblebee because it's the closest in power level i could get without just saying like one of the the tapes <laughs> well uh if you remember the original gi joe versus transformers comic from i think 86 mm -hmm. yeah it had to be 86 because it <laughs> if you've ever read that comic it got majorly derailed as it was being published because the uh the movie came out right in the middle of its publication and suddenly the comic had to kill off optimus prime and a whole bunch of other characters and so just in the middle of this comic that's just supposed to be G.I. Joe versus Transformers, they're like, by the way, Optimus Prime's dead. And then he's just out of the comic. It's it's so weird. Um, 
so anyway, in the first issue, G.I. Joe confronts Bumblebee and they like a whole squad with tanks takes out Bumblebee. And um yeah, like and he doesn't fight back. He's just trying to explain to them that he's innocent and they blow him up and then he gets rebuilt as gold bug. But um I that always bugged me because speaking of bugs, he's supposed to be a Volkswagen Beetle. He should only be about 10 feet tall. He should not need a tank to take him out. So, okay. Well, yes, there's Cybertronian technology yeah. involved. Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my opinion, there's a reason they have to be robots in disguise. Because if people knew these aliens were invading and an army uh, confronted them, they would get destroyed. So, one-on-one, -on -one, yeah, the things advantages Transformers, but Transformers have to spend so much energy not being giant fighting robots that that's where things kind of level out. At least that's my take. And you know, like I, heaven forbid, I bring up the Michael Bay movies, but the Michael Bay movies that was about the power level we saw that a soldier could take out a transformer. Uh, maybe it was more like a squad of soldiers, but they didn't necessarily need a tank. They just needed an anti-tank gun. We have there were very few one-on-one -on -one fights that went out in the squishy person's favor in those right. movies. Yeah, um, and lots of times when it didn't. Uh, yeah, but. Um, I'm more in line of they're going to be part of the party. And so yeah. if it's a mixed party, how do they stack up? But again, the Doctor Who role-playing game exists. And that is an inherent, like just the, the, the fact that Doctor Who role-playing game exists means that there is ways to have a game where one of the characters is vastly more powerful than all the others. Yeah. Uh, and this so is think, Thor like, is the still Buffy a role-playing game. Adventures. You've got one superpower character and a bunch right. of people that help. Yeah. Although I guess you got wizards and Buffy, so it's a little different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but only in the later part of the series did the wizards start showing up, and and by that <laughs> time even Buffy was season three about around. halfway. Was she really a wizard in season she three? She was a plot device in season three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> but um, but then again, like Thor and Hawkeye are on the same team too, yep. so this also works. Yeah, so Bumblebee is Thor in this case, and Snake Eyes is Hawkeye. This is the best Bumblebee has ever been treated. <laughs> um, ready to move on to the next one? Yeah. So at 3 p.m., build a character, Transformers role-playing game. So you might notice that G.I. Joe and Power Rangers both got an hour and a half. My Little Pony and Transformers are both getting one hour, but then they're also getting a second... Um, like a second panel immediately after. So my little pony is getting a lot of time. Transformers is getting two straight hours of content. This build a mm -hmm. character, Transformers role-playing game. Learn how to make a character in the Transformers role-playing game. Oh, Elisa and Katie will take you through the process of creating your very own Transformers characters so you can join the Autobots and roll out in your next adventure. Woohoo! I think that's also more important for the Transformers version because we kind of understand how to build a a, a Joe? Yeah, you know how to build a Joe. We know how to build a, a Ranger. But a Transformer, I can understand there's be a lot more technical requirements and uh, a few more, I guess, layers to the choices that you have to make. Mm -hmm. But in, in case we haven't said it, like Transformers is definitely an Essence 20 game. It, that has been revealed. And this will just be explaining how you make a Transformers Essence 20 character. At 4 p.m. Pacific slash 7 p.m. Eastern, painting live, G.I. Joe miniatures, 
how to paint. Learn the basics of painting the G.I. Joe role-playing game miniatures. Learn to paint the new G.I. Joe role-playing game miniatures with Daddy Louie himself. Whether you are a greed recruit or a weathered veteran, you will want to check out these fantastic new minis. So I watched the Daddy Louie panel last year where he painted some of the G.I. Joe miniatures, uh, which surprisingly has been about all we've seen of the G.I. Joe miniatures. They were revealed last year, but they don't have a product page up on the Renegade website. There has been no press release. There has been no picture of the product showing off all of the miniatures. Basically, unless you were watching Renegade Con or you saw some screen caps from Renegade Con, you have not seen these miniatures. Right. I believe it was announced that 12 of them are coming. I don't know if it's going to be one multi-pack or if it's 12 individual blisters, but uh, we only even know uh, about eight of the characters that are coming. Mm -hmm. Well, the Power Rangers come in packs of like four to six. Okay. So, and... But that's the for the Heroes of the Grid, right? Right. I'm just... Because this like, does specifically say they're the G.I. Joe role-playing game miniatures. Right. I can see a, a hero set and a villain set. Yeah, uh, I don't have any input on this, but if there's a villain set, I really hope there's the army builder set mm -hmm. and the high command set. And I hope they make a lot of the army builder sets. Yeah, because that's 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 like, what you need. Uh, yeah, uh, a viper, <laughs> an officer, a trooper, a bat. A lot uh, of bats. And like, I'd love an alley viper in there, but I don't expect that to be in the base one. But like, even mm -hmm. just those, those four or five that I just listed... Mm -hmm. Oh, an eel. Eels would be good. Maybe it's snow serpents just to get a couple more environments in there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Crimson Guard. Oh, man. Joe has so many great army builders. And uh, and we're going to need some, some green shirts. We would need some green shirts. So would you want a green shirt mixed in with a G.I. Joe hero multi-pack, or would you want a green shirt set? I hope they sell an individual green shirt so I can buy oh, that's 12 good. of them. Yeah, that's probably the best way to do it. Now, how would you feel if it was like, here's an army green shirt, here's a navy green shirt, which would really be like the blue shirts. Like, the green shirt is iconic as the generic, nondescript background character. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a, a sailor would also fill a purpose, maybe a generic background uh, mm -hmm. pilot. In fact, if we go back to the original 12-inch G.I. Joes, that first lineup of soldier, marine, pilot, uh, sailor... And I think astronaut might have been in there. We could probably leave the astronaut out of it. But how would you like a four pack of the original of like green shirts based on the original twelve inch Joes? It would be interesting, but I don't know that like I would end up with a lot of extra not green shirts because yes. like eventually I would hit capacity of what I need for blue shirts. <laughs> Um, in my display cabinet, it's been taken down now, but at my an older house, I had uh, a bunch of the pilots doing push-ups and Sergeant Slaughter kind of leading them. And it was because I had so many more pilots than I had planes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that would be the similar situation if that kind of pack came out. So, you know what I really hope happens? Have you seen um, WizKids' new framework minis that they're doing? Framework minis? No. Okay, so WizKids is uh, is expanding to a new set of minis called Frameworks. Um, it's I think they're D and D branded right now, but it is a customizable miniature. So you buy the dwarf mini, and then it it doesn't just have the one pre built static pose dwarf. It's four different arms and a couple of head swaps and like a backpack and a 
armor piece. It's almost an action figure worth of customizable bits. And you basically decide what weapons it has, what head it has, like all of the decisions. And you customize just your perfect dwarf and glue that all together and then paint it. And it's Those like, are oh, awesome. that sounds awesome. Now. So I want like, um, uh, like uh, the Martique in chat on Twitch has just suggested we need to kit bash GI Joe minis. And that's what they, they should put out a kit bash kit, build a Joe It'd be like build a bear, but like for 12 year old <laughs> boys marketed towards. Yeah. <laughs> you, you did not end that at a good spot. In that sentence. I don't know. I don't want to build a 12 year old GI Joe boy. Um, so, yeah. I, I do think that would be cool. Like, the miniatures that we have been we've seen revealed are the iconic characters right. uh like we've seen the snake eyes we've seen scarlet we've seen gung-ho mm -hmm. i don't know if we've seen duke or if he was just mentioned but we also saw cover girl and jinx which is uh their fun inclusions mm -hmm. and uh, and jinx wasn't even in her iconic um red gi she was in her um uh more of a, a samurai outfit uh, from the valor versus venom line um, well, anyway, so, but anyway, it's specific characters that we know from GI Joe. So if we were to get like, we would need something else for PCs, unless you just want to say like, I'm playing a renegade. And so I am going to play gung ho as my stand in for the character that I actually want to be playing. Yeah. And that's going to be a thing we I think that that is a smart move still on their part because we've seen in other miniature lines that people do want the iconic heroes, even though they will have very little actual playtime. Like people like look at the Pathfinder line; everybody is just clambering to get all the iconics, uh, even though, well, I guess society gamers need them for the pregens, but most of the time you you wouldn't see Valros on your average table of Pathfinder, or your average home game. But yeah. people still love Valros. So, um, like, it's the collectible aspect of it. Mm -hmm. You don't just want a generic-looking soldier that's called a G.I. Joe, unless yeah. you're playing the role-playing game. But a lot of people will want that gung-ho miniature or a Snake Eyes miniature. Right, yeah. And, you know, North Star minis exists. And uh, so if you want to, like, like, generic or customizable, slightly futuristic or modern soldier miniatures for 28 millimeter gaming, there is an entire market filled with such options. Uh, so that's not a need that needs to be filled, but we know only Renegade can give me a 28 millimeter gung-ho. You just reminded me, somebody was asking about the scale of these in the G.I. Joe tabletop role-playing gamers uh, official Renegade Game Studios Facebook page. And let me see if I can quickly grab it because they do answer a question about the scale. I believe it was Elisa that weighed in. Um, maybe I will get to it later because it's not jumping out at me. Hmm. All right. Where the, were we? I think the Rangers are 32 millimeter. Okay. Oh, Lee Martin nope. says 28. Oh, okay. But... Um, is that 28 millimeter scale? We've talked about this, how instead of it actually being 28 millimeters measurable on a ruler, it's some vague mutated, oh, once these things were actually 28 millimeters, now it's 28 millimeter scale, which is closer to 30 millimeters, which in millimeters, you know, two millimeters. So 28 millimeter difference. scale has an actual hard 
meaning? It means okay. the distance from your foot to your eye on a human-sized model. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which means that from base to head, it's in the 30s. Right. Yeah. Okay. But okay. That does actually clear it up. But didn't 28 millimeters, like I thought it was that 28 millimeters used to be foot to top of the head. And then like there was like the, the you're talking about I'll make my three? miniature bigger than your miniature. And it just kind of inflated. And these 28 millimeter miniatures were nowhere near 28 millimeters. Anymore. Yeah, that's called scale creep. Uh, there we go. The, scale the creep. actual definition is always supposed to be foot to eye. Okay. And then, but they just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and that's probably a thirty millimeter. That's probably like even right now, Games Workshop, uh, Age of Sigmar miniatures. I'm bringing them up because they're the ones that are most directly comparable to other miniatures that they produced in the past. They are still quote unquote twenty eight millimeter scale. You pick up one of those elves, and there ain't no way on earth that he's actually 28 millimeters uh, you grab that caster girl and you measure her she's probably a 32 millimeter model but they still claim 28 millimeters it's all a lie mm -hmm. the only time you even use millimeters and you use them wrong <laughs> going back to this live painting um seminar so uh daddy louis is really engaging so he is chatty he's really interactive with the chat he'll have like just moments of trivia and getting people to to guess things like what are some of the other miniatures that he's got there that he could reveal uh he explains his techniques uh it, it was a really fun video to watch it was something that i just tuned into uh after watching a lot of videos at renegade con virtual special edition in august uh and this was one that i thought i could skip and i ended up just watching it for the pure joy of watching daddy louis work awesome and Daddy Louie's an excellent painter. I've not seen him paint before. He is. So, um, he, like, when he eventually posted the after picture, because he only had about an hour to paint a miniature. Right, right. And, you know, you saw what he was doing. He clearly knew what he was doing. But, uh, yeah, you had to wait until later to see the the final version right. of the gung-ho that he was painting. For, for any of our listeners who has, haven't done a lot of miniature painting, an hour is considered a speed paint. So, and, and that is not a, like a, a high level of quality. Speed paints can look great, but for any like professional, this is going to be on the front of the box art, like that we're going to sell this miniature on. That's like 30, 40, 50 hours worth of work. Yeah. He could have painted snake eyes in an hour because snake eyes is shades of black. Black is the hardest. Oh, it's, okay. Well, yeah. he even said like he thought about painting Snake Eyes, but it would not have been a very dynamic paint job as far for the viewers. It's it's a lot of it's a whole lot of very slight. You can barely tell I did anything. Yeah. All right, five thirty Pacific slash eight thirty Eastern. How to play the GI Joe role playing game featuring the new GI Joe role playing game. Attention recruits, we need you in the fight against Cobra. Join Trivia and Ryan. That's me again for a mission mm -hmm. briefing to get you started playing the G.I. Joe role-playing game. So remember earlier I was saying how I'm super excited to be talking about the core rulebook, and I was kind of disappointed right. that we're probably just going to rush past it in mm -hmm. that first G.I. Joe reveals panel. This is where I get to do a deep dive into the G.I. Joe role-playing game core rulebook mm -hmm. and uh, contextualize it in making a character, playing a character. 
uh, Trivia and I should probably finalize exactly what our plans are for it. I don't think we're going to be making a character, but we'll do like sample combat. We'll go through the different skills, the different aspects of the character. If you're familiar with Power Rangers, some of it will be going over it, but like showing you, but this is the G.I. Joe version of roles, influences, origins, and um, just how the different games play uh, differently despite using the same system. And again, are completely cross-compatible. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I, I just get to, I get to just talk about something I really enjoy mm. on multiple levels. And this is the one I get to cheer on because uh, GI Joe is the one of these that I've played already. So oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I ran you uh, a short session that mm -hmm. uh, could have been longer, but like just explaining the rules took a lot out of me. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's like game in development. How do we explain it to people yeah. that have never <laughs> touched it before? <laughs> That's another job I would envy. And finally, at 6.30 Pacific slash 9.30 Eastern, storytelling workshop antagonists in your Vampire the Masquerade role-playing game. Building antagonists into your Vampire the Masquerade games featuring Sabat and the Second Inquisition. The world of darkness is fraught with danger and... I'm going to have to zoom in here. This is a much bigger paragraph in the same small amount of space. Now, where was I? World of Darkness is fraught with danger, but very few live up to the reputation of the Second Inquisition or the Sabbat. Join uh, Miami by Knights. Oh, sorry. Join Miami by Knights, Diana, D'Amico, and Trivia as they explore new ways to bring these most dangerous threats into your chronicle. Uh, again, this is not an Essence 20 game. I was reading this specifically because I was actually hoping it would be going into uh, just like using villains in your role playing games. But it really does feel like this is very specific to building monsters, but it's the Vampire the Masquerade version of the monsters. So again, not relevant to anyone that's tuning in just for the Essence 20 content at Renegade Con this year. But, you know, if you're a Vampire the Masquerade player, I'm sure this is actually going to be a very valuable seminar for you. Yeah. And I'm noticing, like, this is one of the few, like, it's this and the painting that fill the only panels here that are actually workshops, whereas the others are sort of previews. Yes. Yeah. So well, like, there's the building the Transformers character. That kind of would no, I guess that doesn't really tell the workshop. That's still using the tools instead of making tools. Right. Um, which is fine, but like it, it's uh this is like it's like we've got these everything for Renegade Con feels more like Renegade Stream, uh or, or just okay. like Renegade uh, announcement special or uh, Renegade Direct, except for these two panels. These are the only two panels that make this feel convention-y to me. Uh, so I just that's that's just this one stands out oddly compared to the others, really. Because even and the painting one is previewing miniatures. And this is like traditionally oh, the Bye. renegades end with an actual play. So it is interesting that it is going for a workshop instead of an right. actual play. Yeah. I'd hope to like see a Transformers actual play because we've seen uh, Power Rangers played, we've seen G.I. Joe played, but we haven't seen Transformers played. We haven't seen G.I. Joe played. Oh, we haven't? Nope. Oh. Nope. There's uh there's no official or unofficial like nobody is running a G.I. Joe actual play because the core rulebook is not out yet. So the only mm -hmm. people that could potentially be doing it at this point would be Renegade. They have not launched any G.I. Joe actual play yet. Okay. This is just me inserting having played it then. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think that we were live? Did you think a whole bunch of people watched us? Everything I do is live. I brush my uh, teeth and content. say, and I'm back. 
so before we go on to rampant speculation about the content that might be revealed, Param, are there any of the seminars that stand out to you? No. I mean, this is pretty par for the course and kind of what I'm hoping for anyway. So this is all good. Yeah, same. I mean, I'm looking forward to mine, obviously. But as far as ones that I'm not involved in, I am curious to see uh actually i'm curious to see the reaction to a lot of these i'm curious to see the reaction mm -hmm. to my little pony table on top games i'm curious to see the transformers role-playing game build a character because there's so much so many directions that could go like what's what is this robot going to be what's their personality what is their alt mode so uh yeah that one uh, more than most of the character building seminars that renegade has put out that one's really something that i'm looking forward to checking out we'll finally get to learn if uh Megatron in this version is tank or gun. Uh, do you think we'll learn that? I'm hoping he'll be on the cover and it will tell us. Oh, well, the cover's been revealed. Oh, okay. But I don't know, because like even when Megatron's a tank, he still, in robot mode, looks like he could turn into a gun. But uh, yeah, if you want to go to the Renegade site, you go to Game Worlds, you go to Transformers oh. role-playing game. And he's it doesn't look like he's on the cover. Yeah, yes, he he's in the back there. Oh, okay. Are are we? Oh, there. Yeah, sorry. I was looking at the cropped version. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, looking at him, there's no telltale tank treads. No, and and those foot look there's... awful gun like. Uh, but they, he does have like missiles coming out of his feet. I actually think this might be no. I was gonna say a unique design for Megatron, but. No, it's probably based on one of the many Megatron toys that comes out every year, and I'm just not familiar with that one. All right, so, Param, what do you hope gets announced at the various panels? Okay, uh, first, for, for Power Rangers, I want to see the next player book announced, or a player book, anything that's not the core or an adventure. Honestly, even if it's just a big book of bads, that would also be acceptable. I just want to see what the, to get an expectation of what the future of an Essence 20 game looks like. Because Power Rangers is first out the gate. What they announce for it after it is kind of what I'm going to be expecting the others to eventually get. Um, and so that's kind of my hope there. So if and, and because I'm hoping for not just here's a core rule book and these are all the player options you're ever going to get. I'm hoping for a player option book to get announced for next year. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, G.I. Joe. Uh, G.I. Joe, I hope we get a adventure series announced for it because an that would be series. Next, what yeah. do you mean by that? Like either a big old thick boy adventure book, something like, you know, the curse of Strahd or tyranny of dragons. Like, you know, this is, this is a big thick thing to run a mini campaign in or, or a small campaign in or an adventure path, like release, um, whichever format it is, um, something more meaty than a 32 pager. Okay. And that's it. If you got that and the core rule book this year, you think you'd be satisfied. If, Power Rangers got the player options announced, then I would be, because then I would know that after that, well, hopefully a G.I. Joe player options is down the street. What about My Little Pony? What are you hoping for from Ooh. a My Little Pony role-playing game? I am either... only is One of two things will make me happy with that. Is that we do find out it's Essence 20, and then therefore I can, I can have a Power Ranger version of Rainbow Dash exist. 
Nice. Which would be awesome. Or I, and then again, giving us the fantasy dungeoneering rules we need so that Snake Eyes can go through the Tomb of Horrors. <laughs> as long as he's got his friends with him. Or if they are going to continue what has already been out, that's a good option as well. That's a 5e-based system, true. Um, but at the same time, that means that they're continuing support for an established RPG instead of abandoning a fan base. How confident are you that it's a 5e system? We're talking Tales of Equestria, right? It's. I thought it was 5e-based. I thought it was original. I've never played it, so I, I just... I've never played I've never, it either, but yeah. I've just seen that and then the Dungeons & Ponies release. All right. Uh, Transformers. Oh, sorry. It's... Um, Cutie Marks and Dragons is, is what it is, is the official name of that set. Sorry. I don't know. Uh, what was, what was the question again? I'm sorry. Oh, I've moved on to Transformers. Transformers! Honestly, uh, I'm I'm not expecting much to be uh, I'm not expecting much to be announced for this other than here's the rule book and here's an adventure. Okay, because it's the furthest out. All right, and uh, how about a wild speculation? What is something that you would love to see but aren't really expecting it to be seen? Um, an announcement of a fourth property, a uh, fifth property. Well, depending on how tails comes down, okay, or, or ponies, until depending okay, on so what happens to our ponies, it's announcement of the next Essence yeah. Twenty property. We'll say right, right. Uh, what does Hasbro have that could have been licensed to Renegade? Like, what are the other big Hasbro properties out there that are action, cartoony? Uh, they've got Mask. They've got Inhumanoids. They may have Micronauts, but that might be a messy license. Honestly, I'm thinking Micronauts, Mask, and Humanoids. That would be a fun, like, Essence 20 splat book of, like, all the minor yeah. also-rans of the big three. That would be fun. Like, a GoBots, since those are now all in the ones, like, yeah. uh, could join in there. Hasbro that would be a fun... Tonka. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, and... um. Yeah, everything in that that five part toy pack that they released. If they could just do like a, like here's a splat book where we just bring in all the also rands and the B listers in that you can join into your games, that would be great. And like maybe that's when we get Beetleborgs and and VR troopers start showing up for the for the uh, the Saban camp. What was the fantasy where they had like holograms on their chest and shields? What was that called? They were G.I. Joe articulated, but they were uh, six inches. Okay. Oh, cops. Cyber cops. That's another Hasbro property that would be really cool if they ever revisited that. Uh, Martique says visionaries. Visionaries. Yes. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And Martique also says Gem and the Holograms. That's true. That is another Hasbro property. I want Battle Beast. I want Battle Beast. To, it's a Transformers property. Uh, Smart Goblin in chat is also confirming that Tales of Equestria is a 5e-based game. I thought so. Uh, sorry, you said Battle Beasts? Yeah, it's it's part of the Transformers Yes, classes, it is. So, yeah. That would be super cool. That was something I was very into as a kid. Mm -hmm. I <laughs> still have one just of be those. Rock, paper, scissors, though? Huh? Would the, the combat mechanic just be rock, paper, scissors? That would be a... What, yeah, fire, would, water, it, wood. Yeah, that instead of your D two, uh, that's what you roll with every. Dice. Oh, that so a D. Uh, 
I, I like that idea a lot. <laughs> yeah, that'll be. Uh, in fact, one if we could just get one license or one uh, book with all of those licenses, that would be super cool, Param. Right. Like the one I want can't happen because of conflicting licenses, but I want the turtles. I want the, yeah, I turtles want to get the Saturday morning uh, co-op uh, trifecta in here. Yeah, well, and turtles have already crossed over with uh, Power Rangers. Yeah. So, and I don't think there's universe hopping. I think they're just somewhere in this world. There's giant yep. turtles, and they're these grid-based warriors. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be cool. Like, I, I'd like turtles more than I'd like say He-Man, which again is already licensed to somebody else. Because yeah, turtles does feel like it. It could exist in the same universe as GI Joe, Transformers, and Power Rangers. And He-Man, not so much. No, he meant not so much. It really has to be its own thing. I would have said that about Transformers, though, too. Transformers is still the odd is the odd one out into this. Uh, I mean, My Little Bounty is the oddest one out. But I mean, I guess just because Transformers starts on Earth. So if you're thinking of Transformers as spacefaring and like Cybertronian politics, mm -hmm. yeah, it's the odd one out. But if you're thinking of it as robots in disguise, it's Earth vehicles on Earth. It's not such a stretch. And it's crossed over with G.I. Joe for decades. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to pull up the Hasbro toy website and see what all they've got. Let's, let's just add all of it to it. <laughs> Hasbro has a lot. X-Men. They Hasbro have the X-Men toys of X-Men. They, uh, they don't own the brand. But, you know, I don't think anybody does right now. Uh, no, I don't think there is. No, oh, yes, there is a Marvel. Uh, Matt Forbeck did design work on a Marvel role playing game that's coming out. Let me see if I can find the publisher. Oh, Hasbro also has the Star Wars license, but there's no way on earth they could, that that's that's coming to Renegade right now. Yeah, no. Fantasy Flight is having too much fun with that. Uh, so I've got a. It's called the Marvel Multiverse Role Playing Game, but I don't have the publisher listed. Hmm. Ghostbusters. Ooh, yeah. Ghostbusters would be cool. That's that that might be the jam right there. And that would fit in. That would that that would also be a niche that fits the format, would work with Essence 20 really well. Like it is is definitely the kind of property that would work with the system great. And there's nothing supernatural yet in the Essence 20 lineup. Yeah, so that would add a new genre that they could work in oh yeah well, i guess power rangers has got supernatural but it's it's Not, weird space magic it's yeah it's different um so just to uh, update on that marvel multiverse role-playing game this might be coming from marvel oh it am i gonna have to collect it to game system um written by matt forback cover by Ivan Caello uh, about Marvel Entertainment. Yeah, uh, this might be a first-party role-playing game for Marvel. Hmm. This sounds great. Yeah, that's does. weird that Marvel yeah. would publish this. Yes, it is. And it's also weird that the cover doesn't brag about how this is a Marvel product. Also, it's in Marvel barely exists. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> what? Right, where this, are you going with this? It, Marvel barely exists as an independent entity anymore. It's okay, like, because like Disney. It, it, 
yeah, because of Disney and how much direct control Disney has been exerting on Marvel because of the success of the massive, amazing movie series that they've released. They've made a lot of money with that and, and such. So usually they, with these properties, they've licensed out. They, they do not publish the Star Wars role-playing game. They do, Disney does not publish the Star Wars game. Disney does not publish most of its other properties. But Marvel does publish print books. Like, it's not a huge leap from comics to... So, how familiar are you with the printing press process, Ryan? I mean, I work for a comic publisher, but it's mostly online stuff. Where are we going? The type of printing presses and companies that print comics are not the same companies that print books. But they don't print them, but they are publishers. They hire printers. They... Right. They know how this to is... lay out a book. They have the distribution act. Like they don't need the printers. They need everything okay. else, and they have that in spades. Ah, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That that works. So I'm just going to throw out some rampant speculation here. Uh, Hasbro, in a lot of ways, is the little Disney that could, in that they have all of these properties that we were just talking about, original mm -hmm. intellectual properties. They're in the entertainment industry, not just the toy making industry. And uh, they own Wizard of the Coast, and Wizard of the Coast is making right. the majority of Hasbro's profits from uh, some of the recent uh, reports. So I wonder mm -hmm. if this is Disney aping what Hasbro Hasbro's business model and trying to get into the role playing space. Right, but if they were aping what Hasbro was doing, why are we talking about a Renegade Con? Yeah. All right. Fair. And we have drifted pretty far from Essence 20 at this point. So let's pull right back. Um, I want to go over a post by uh, Roger Alderman in the G.I. Joe Tabletop Gamers, Renegade Game Studios Facebook group. Roger has actually been one of the main uh, fans driving the conversations on the site. So just shout out to him. And he recently said, a new question for everyone. <laughs> and reiterates, he is not an employee of Renegade Game Studios or its subsidiaries. I don't know if Renegade has subsidiaries, but that's still funny. Uh, what would be the first expansion book you would like to see from the G.I. Joe, uh, for the G.I. Joe tabletop role-playing game, such as era source books for the different settings, like Sigma-6, Renegades, or Action Team, or uh, G.I. Joe or Cobra Gear Guide with game stats, or maybe just roster books with uh, character histories and stats for both Joes and Cobras? And I'm just curious uh, if you wanted to weigh in on that. Ooh, for Joe specifically, hmm, I... G.I. Joe definitely needs an armory book eventually. Yeah. I would definitely want that with with more more guns, more gear, more vehicles for both sides. More guns I and want, gears, got it. Yeah. But without we don't need the two classes. Um I want a Cobra Source book. Play Cobra. What do you want from a Cobra Source book? Just rules and backgrounds and like the, the 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 whole character creation process flipped over to the Cobra side of the fence and with advice on how to run a Cobra centric campaign and, and, and all the goodness there. And, and then, you know, rules for all the Cobra equipment and, and, and how to roll up a bat, how to be a special prototype bat. Cool. Special prototype bat. All right, some of the I suggestions get extra that's... arms to put on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
we will talk about bats when the role-playing game is out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so some of the suggestions. Vehicle Guide came up a few different times. Cobra Island Sandbox Adventure was something that Dan Bowden talked about. And that's something when you're dealing with a licensed property. So for people that don't know, in the comics, there was a really epic storyline where uh, Cobra, where G.I. Joe got word that Cobra Commander and Destro were both on a submarine in the Gulf of Mexico. And it was like, they are really deep. This is our one chance. We're going to need to drop these nuclear depth charges, which they did, which then uh, it ends up that the submarine they were on was a decoy. A uh, shaft of Earth came up that was large enough to be declared a sovereign nation, which the Crimson Guard were right there at the United Nations to file the paperwork and say, like, this is Cobra territory. We are now officially a country, and you can't just stop us as an anti-terrorist organization. Now we have global rights. It was a really cool storyline, uh, and it's been told. So do we just adapt a story that's been told and that players going into it know the twist they know the beginning middle and end of the story but now they get to play as participants in it do we make our own version of this like how do you adapt established lore into an adventure well i don't know i i do i don't think retelling it it has much grounds but is there still fertile ground to have cool adventures in cobra island so uh, David Martell said a Live the Adventure Cobra Island-centric campaign book uh, planning an attack on Cobra Island and uh, but declined in many sandboxy scenarios. I think more like, like a variety of adventures on Cobra Island about the attack on Cobra Island. So like something you were saying, it's Cobra Island-centric, but it's not about the origin of Cobra Island. Flip the script. Combine it with the source book. Cobra, you have to establish a nation. We have Ooh. a lot more objectives. Like I am Cobra. I'm, I'm 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 part of Cobra. I need to make a nation work. We usually just try to do terrorist things, but now I have to concern myself with an actual economy, uh, a gross domestic product. We got to get like simple things like building an airport are actually massive endeavors that have lots of logistics involved. Joe's going to be trying to screw us over every chance they get. Like planning terrorist missions and stuff that we do uh, that we now have to worry about more legitimacy and making them seem like they aren't just terrorist missions but we also have to because it's the only thing we're good at planning missions to get us the supplies and or resources and or influence we need to succeed as this new nation this is a much more entertaining campaign than anything i've been pitched before about this is cobra kingmaker or king yes. cobra maker if you will Uh, would going they be down a monarchy? What's that? Would they keep a monarchy? Uh, well, they have a autocracy, I think. No, they have a, a, a tyranny. Right, they're, they're a dictatorship. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's it. I mean, they, they have the occasional, like, they technically have an emperor, but they are not an empire. They would have to have another country to be an empire. They're so going to show going... up to Jamaica and say hours now? I mean, that's an invasion, but it's something Cobra would totally do. Uh, going down the list of suggestions, it really kind of mirrors what you were saying. A lot of people want some kind of technology guide. A lot of people want some kind of Cobra source book. And then there's a lot of more specific things. Somebody's saying they want Python Patrol versus Tiger Force or a subgroup <laughs> focus, focused book. Um, 
one person, oh no, say uh, one person says they'd have to see what's included in the core rule book because they don't want to say they want Valor versus Venom and Sigma Six and Renegades if they can just do that straight out of the core rule book, which obviously is fair. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does seem like the top three ideas are some kind of adventure book, some kind of uh, technology guide, and some kind of cover book. Mm-hmm. I mean, G.I. Joe was very successful in making their villains incredibly engaging and fun and fans have favorite cobra like it's and not all of the saturday morning fair managed to pull that off and gi joe pulled that off better than it i think maybe batman is the only one and they got to borrow from comics though i guess gi joe got to borrow for comics but that's a that's a chicken and egg situation you're right it starts at the it started at Hasbro and then things would get adapted into it. But yeah, I was thinking about how with G.I. Joe, so the, with the Joes, the original 13 Joes, some of them are actually fairly obscure characters in the grand theme of things, scheme of things. And it wasn't until about 1984, 85, 86 that we started to get what uh basically we didn't get the complete A list until nineteen eighty four when Roblox came out. So Duke came out in nineteen eighty three, Scarlet and Snake Eyes came out in nineteen eighty two. So um, I kind of liken it to the Friday the 13th movies where it's like Jason gets the hockey mask in the third movie and now we're rolling. Now you the iconic thing of that franchise has happened. So mm-hmm. that's true of the Joe side. But Cobra, like the most people's top 10 most famous Cobras are most of the 10 first characters that came out. Like mm-hmm. our first character was Cobra Commander. Then we got Destro. We got Wild Weasel and Copperhead. And they don't really top moment in many people's lists. But then we got Baroness, Storm Shadow, Firefly, Scrap Iron is kind of a, an outlier there. Uh, then we got we got Zartan. We got the Crimson Twins. We got Doctor Mindbender, and that's eighty two to eighty six. Just about every year had a character, a Cobra character that really is considered one of the icons of the line. And that's not even going into then the Dreadnoughts are all like a variety of fully developed characters, mm. each with their own fans. And I will say Cobra had the better vehicles. Okay. I, if you can see, well, you can't see just how many his tanks I have lined up up there, but it is quite a lot. Um, Smart Goblin is calling for Major Blood. Oh, Major Blood. I didn't mention Major Blood. I'm sorry. Yes, Major Blood came out in 83. So he and Destro came out in the same year. Now, Smart Goblin's also saying they he wants a Dreadnought source book. Ah, I don't know if there's enough meat on that bone. Anyway, it's something that something is worth revisiting, and I really shouldn't be talking about it. But right. uh, it's it's another idea that it, that's been thrown. Out. We'll mm-hmm. say that, like by Smart Goblin just now. I mean, mm-hmm. um. We've been going for about an hour and a half, Param. I think we're about ready to wrap things up. Yep. Now, before we do that, there is something that uh, what we did uh, last episode on the zero episode that was kind of unplanned was when I talked about the green snake eyes that uh, mm-hmm. somebody had made an homage for. And that snake eyes was originally meant to uh, have a full color scheme, but for cost cutting purposes, he was reduced to zero paint applications. And that made him the most iconic G.I. Joe character of all of them. So uh, I just kind of want to bring attention to a different G.I. Joe and tell a little fun story. And so today I have picked the Monstro Viper. So there's a couple of reasons I want to talk about the Monstro Viper. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's the one G.I. Joe toy that really stands out from the others. Well, he's got like a uh, no, wrong side. So this is spring loaded, and what happens is that his chest opens up. He is from the Mega Marines subline, and each of the Mega Marines came with a um, uh, like a Play-Doh accessory. Basically, the Joe mm -hmm. side, they all came with a mold and mm -hmm. with a, uh, a Hasbro off-brand Play-Doh. You fill the mold with the Play-Doh, you clamp it around the guy, you release it, and they've got, uh, I believe it was called Biotechnological Armor. Yeah, and they had like the cool the chest piece and like arm bands usually. Yeah, exactly. And the Meg Brains were actually uh, really well sculpted miniatures. So uh, miniatures, figures, it was uh, Gung-Ho was the leader. And then you had uh, the first version of Clutch in like 10 years. Clutch was one of the original 13 Joes. You had Mirage, who was the uh, weapons, uh, the weapon technology designer, which G.I. Joe has never had any kind of like engineer like that. So even though he's a fairly obscure character, he gets brought up a couple of times in the G.I. Joe role-playing game core rulebook, just as like, this is a guy that the players will want to be talking to. So congratulations, Braj. You've got, uh, you've, you've been promoted to significant character in the role-playing game. Mm. And then the last of the G.I. Joe Mega Marines was Blast Off. And that's fun because when G.I. Joe was being pitched, like the, the G.I. Joe Real American Hero, it was codenamed Blast Off. And so 10 years later in 1982, they decided to name a character after that. Uh, just a fun bit of trivia. Uh, and the, like I said, the sculpts are great. It's basically the Mega Marines look like the colonial Marines from Aliens, but mm -hmm. colored like Ninja Turtles. Like this yeah. guy being bright neon, that was just reflective of the area era. So yeah. anyway, he's got this chest cavity that opens up. You put the Play-Doh in there, you close it. He's got a couple of holes there that make like tentacles coming out of his stomach. But you can also then take out what's called the gut bomb, put it in uh, this cup on his hand, and he flings it. Uh, this is like not articulated like any other G.I. Joe, uh, well, except for the Bio Viper, which also was one of the two monsters that came in that line. Because the Mega Marines were monster fighters. That was the theme of uh, those guys. And it's it's funny that the idea of like genetically altering characters has part, been part of G.I. Joe. Like they were in the comics and the cartoons, Serpentor. But even before that, there's always been the idea that, so, that Cobra is messing with genetics. And yet these were the first really like diving into it in 1982 10 years after gi joe launched that they were really exploring the idea of, of that concept and giving it a whole sub team um but anyway so the the other reason that i have brought up this monster viper besides just to talk about the meg marines oh no sorry i was saying no no i i, I did say that point never mind um is that this is actually like a cool cross section for me between my gi joe fandom and my role-playing game fandom uh, he came out in 1982, and I discovered Dungeons and Dragons in 19. Uh, sorry, he came out in 1992. I discovered Dungeons and Dragons in 1993, and uh, for the my first campaign, the the big bad was Kaser, the Earth spread god of chaos, and instead of a miniature, I used the monster viper, and so this gigantic six inch figure that would be like I don't know gargantuan by Pathfinder scale. Uh, he was my bad guy. And so it's just cool that this was really the first time that I had a cross point of G.I. Joe and role-playing games. And so all these years later, he's kind of like my mascot for what I've managed to accomplish as an author Aww. of G.I. Joe role-playing game core rulebook. So he need, you're, you're going now obligated to use him as a big bad miniature for a G.I. Joe campaign. Uh, yeah, I could absolutely do that. This would be out of scale with how monster vipers are, but he could be a mega monster viper. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, if anyone's wondering, so like I actually 
painted his eyes. Normally, he just has uh, yellow blank cavities. And also, I don't know if you can see it. He's got uh, gnarl marks on his arm that, that my dog at the time, Rocky, decided to uh, take a bite out of him. So, you know, Rocky's not with us anymore and hasn't been for a long time. But there's another nice little reminder built into the Monstro Viper. He is just kind of an obscure character. He's even hard to find because he'll often be thrown in with like Ninja Turtle lots on eBay and right. whatnot. So like people don't think he's a G.I. Joe unless you know he's a G.I. Joe. I keep finding him in like flea markets and like in the just random toy bins. And like he's one I keep an eye out for because of the fact that he can be easily flipped for higher value, uh, especially when I was doing like toy collecting um, picking for when I uh, managed the, the collectible store. So like him, he was that was one I would often find and seek out and look for in junk toy lots because people didn't realize what it was. Uh, if you ever see the Bio Viper, you let me know because I don't have a Bio Viper. <laughs> so there were the two giant monsters like this. That was him, and then there was the Bio Viper who has these like articulate tentacles uh, and was one of the only Mega Marines that didn't have any kind of Play-Doh gimmick. Um, which is not the reason that I bought the Monster Viper. I don't even remember why I bought the Monster Viper. Besides that, I got a lot of G.I. Joes, and he was a G.I. Joe. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, Bio Viper is still someone that I've missed and is getting harder and harder to come by. So, Param, you think of me the next time you see some Mega Marine monsters. About how often do I just send you random pics of G.I. Joe toys? Fairly often. Yeah. you will. The next time I see a Bio Viper, um, I will make sure, if possible, to secure it. That's it for the story time segment. I think we're about ready to wrap things up. You agree? Yes. All Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the Upshift Renegade Con 2022 preview. Before we go, we just want to bring attention to some things that are relevant to Essence 20 fans and fans of role-playing games and just of the things that are of interest to us. Uh, first person I want to give a shout-out to is Jacob Blackman. So Jacob Blackman is an artist... He has been doing a lot of art in uh, fantasy genres. He also does a lot of superhero genre. And lately, he's just been putting out transforming robot art. So he's not doing the alt mode. He's just doing the, the robot mode. But you can, like, in your head, reverse engineer it into what this, uh, this robot could um, transform into. So if you are looking for original art for a, a Power Rangers character, a G.I. Joe character, or a Transformers character for your campaign, I recommend Jacob Blackman. He is a friend, but he is mm -hmm. also somebody that is talented, he is fast, and he is cheap. Uh, and uh, his... honestly, I feel like he's leveled up his skills recently. I just... Yeah. He's gotten more a lot often than not, I'm noticing his art, and it's like, wow, that's that's even better than I remember like the Jacob Blackman art. And also, this, if, if especially if you're doing something for Saturday morning inspired content or power rangers content it really is his style that is yeah. what he loves to make and he's been doing inspired by gi joe art and and products for mutants and masterminds for years and years and years now so he is absolutely a perfect artist to jump to yeah i remember it, years ago he even reached out to me he said like i'm thinking of doing some kind of elite in red but i don't want people to be like well that's just the crimson guard and so i gave him some pointers of how like Yellow is not a character, uh, is not a color that shows up in a lot of um, Cobra color schemes, especially not the Crimson Guard. So if you want to do a differentiator, that's a good accent color. We kind of had that kind of conversation. So he revealed it. It was clear what he was going for. And yet it wasn't just a carbon copy of the Crimson Guard. 
Uh, and yeah. he's got a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Jacob Blackman and check out uh, check out his tiers. Or I believe you can just reach out to him directly and uh, inform, inquire about a commission. For my shout out, I have something that I am trying to tempt Ryan into the 3D printing world. And this, oh, this is again. my first weapon. So a Ooh. little bit of a cross, a cross interest with my other podcast. But have you ever heard of Teco Toys, Ryan? No. Oh, well, now I'm about to make you very happy because this is Teco Toys. They are a 3D printing original action figure line. And you, uh, they have full articulation with accessories. And, of course, you print these out and paint them yourself how you want to. We, you actually 3D print a sprue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is this sprue behind you is what comes out. And then they all snap together wonderfully. And they have a humongous line. I'm trying to hit the back button. Here we go. Uh, of awesome little basically G.I. Joe-ish Scott size action figures that can all be customized, interswapped, and, and uh, put together. And then a whole bunch of mecha vehicles they can all fit into. Oh, wow. That thing is big. Yeah, it is big because those are those are G.I. Joe scale figures. And uh, standing next to them is what would be a eight-inch tall mecha that they can ride around in as well as a whole bunch of mecha guns. Yeah, so... So this is Teco Toys, and they. Uh, I thought that this this would be something you would appreciate being out there. They're they're trying to do their own thing without their own inspired Age of Mecha uh, intellectual property. But you know how far three D printing has come. You can you can now three D print effectively a GI Joe. That is really cool. I'm not getting a three D printer. I am a listener of Print Your Games and just. Whenever I think of the wonderful things that I could do with a 3D printer, I also hear all of the upkeep, all of the dangers <laughs> of having resin. I do have two small children. Your yeah. most recent one was talking about the digital assets and how those kind of pile up. <laughs> and I was just thinking like, oh man, I could print anything. I don't have room for all the things I could print. But now I'm thinking like, do I even have room on my computer for all the files of the things I could print? So I I will continue to appreciate that you are really into this hobby and that when I get uh, projects that really need a 3D printer, I can talk to you. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm not getting into that. Yeah. I have I, enough hobbies you, and enough. You do know that there's an entire subgenre of GI Joe weapons that can be 3D printed, right? I I do know that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I'm happy using Marauder Incorporated to get uh, in scale GI action figure accessories if I need them. Mm-hmm. Do you know custom kit bashing? Uh, yes, that also is a thing that I could potentially get into. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying my darndest, everybody. Help me mm-hmm. out sometime. You also but know, like, the, the till next talking time. about the pile of shame. Where's the pile of shame of my customs? Oh, no. So I've oh, got no. some half-made customs mm-hmm. that in the time since I put them together and did, like, the initial paint jobs on them to now, the figures that are the component parts have gone up in value quite a bit and oh, no. that I have just got a messy version of a valuable figure instead of an original character. Oh, well, that's why we have boss fight. Yeah. Let's talk about boss fight. That's my next shout out. So uh boss fight studio is a, uh, a series of uh, a series, a studio of toy designers. They did a lot of work in the, um, they, they worked for Hasbro, 
during the 25th anniversary of G.I. Joe doing a lot of the head sculpts for characters. So, um, hmm. yeah, that was their specialty when they were being, uh, when they were working with Hasbro. They since spun out, became their own studio, releasing their own action figures called uh, Vitruvian Hacks, which I have a variety of here. Here, I'll show my, uh, my tiefling uh, negotiator or whatever with his knife behind his back. They are super articulated. They are very fancy. They are very pretty. And they also, well, his wing just came off. Um, mm. They also are extremely customizable, which is where the hacks comes in. And so they also sell generic and cheaper versions of them that are unpainted. All right. So I just knocked my death knight off the unicorn trying to put him back on that shelf. Why do I touch anything on these shelves, bro? Because so, they're anyway. toys and they're meant to be played with. Fair enough. Uh, so Boss Fight is in the middle of their Boss Fest, where they are showing off their new licenses, their new original uh, creations, and uh, so just revealing a lot of new um, new product. So it's going on on YouTube every day this week. They have posted uh, at least an hour-long video just talking about something else fun that's going on at Boss Fight. So if you are into boutique action figures uh, and a company that has uh, Hasbro Connections, Boss Fight Studios, Puts out good product. They're good people, and they're in the middle of something cool right now. Boss Fest. Aram, I have a couple more shout-outs if you are done yours. I am done with mine. All right, so I just want to shout-out to a couple of major media outlets for uh, the G.I. Joe uh, community. It's What's on Joe Mind, which is a podcast that uh, is basically primarily a YouTube channel now, and Full Force. Full Force puts out uh, these news bursts where they're just talking about what something interesting is revealed for G.I. Joe. They talk about it, and then they summarize it in their Full Force Weekly. And then they've just recently added the Full Force Monthly, where once a month they just do a deep dive into a specific topic. And I'm bringing them up in this episode because if you are missing, if you cannot go to all of Renegade Con, and it is two full days of uh, online content, so unless you're trivia, you don't have to be at the majority of these seminars. But if you are curious <laughs> about what you missed, uh, what's on Joe Biden and Full Force, I fully expect to have news reports reviewing at the very least the gi joe content but uh probably also the power rangers and transformers content actually probably my little pony content too basically anything that we talked about in this episode in depth they will probably be covering on their shows as well so um yeah so if you don't hear it first from renegade at renegade con you can hear it second from what's on joe mind and full force and, and third uh, from they're us. both on youtube primarily or you can check up their facebook pages and we're saying bro? and then third from us yes but it's like also our it's, it's going to be like just <laughs> at the moment upshift is a weekly release schedule today's february 23rd monthly, monthly. our next episode is march 23rd uh which is a full three weeks after renegade con so listen we are a news previews and um uh interviews podcast but until we really get our footing we're not going to be the first people with everything around the pulse of portugal People come here for the personality, not right. not for the timely news at the moment. And we'll talk about moving into a more regular schedule when there's more Essence 20 content to talk about. Indeed. All right, Param. Uh, it's, you know, it's not too late. We go into uh, Discord to hang out with some people? Of course, because after every episode of the Upshift podcast, there's the special after show the downshifts podcast for our patrons to come hang out with me and ryan and talk about whatever you want us to talk about uh it is our 
special bonus to the patrons. So if you want to do that, you can become a patron of the No Direction Network by going to nodirectionpodcast.com and clicking on the Patreon link and joining up at the familiar level or above. Make sure that you link your Discord account to your Patreon account because then you'll be immediately able to jump on down to the private patron channels and the Patreon voice channel, which we'll be in immediately after this. I grab something that I wanted to show off on camera, and I'm going to do that now because I have worked with Boss Fight Studios. This is probably something I should be full disclosure. They helped me develop the Richard action figure, which is something that I did for my day job, where we built uh, an action figure based on Richard from Looking for Group because I worked for the publishers who were looking for group, uh, which was Blind Ferret Studios, but now is Laughing Dragon Studio. Sorry, it was Blind Ferret Entertainment. Now it's Laughing Dragon Studio. And I just wanted to show off my action figure, too. I even took it off the wall and everything. Yay! Actually, that, that note, action figure is crazy good, y'all. Oh, I'm so happy with this. So uh, I was just talking about taking it off the wall. So I've got a display up there where it's two of the uh, the the the... What do they call them? Concept. Yeah, sorry. So um, it's the boss fight design. So the concept and how the action figure would be laid out, how the parts all work together. And it's it's fun. They're beautiful little pieces that uh, were used as a presentation for how they propose to do the action figure. And then the action figure totally delivers on that with so many extra hands, extra heads. They're kind of lost in the top of the box there. Uh, it's got this fun box presentation. I am plugging something that I'm not even sure if we currently sell because mm -hmm. uh, we do not have an online store anymore. So I'm just making you all jealous. I've got an awesome action figure that I got to take part in creating. Right. It's as good as a Figma. All right. I'll take that as a compliment. You should. They're the best action figures. The best action figures? I think so. I don't know if I have any Figmas. But anyway, we've gone on long enough. Uh, until next time, I'm Ryan Costello. And I'm Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param. And this has been The Upshift. We do not have an outro line yet. <laughs>